0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button or pressing play to check out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is the first time you're checking out an episode, first of all, welcome and thanks for giving us a shot. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their business or businesses, create their content, and more importantly, be more productive. Now, when it comes to the toys aspect of this podcast, it's not just the usual action figures and G.I. Joes and Funkos and things like that. We embrace toys here in a more general sense because everyone's definition of toys is different, whether it's your collection of cars or your knife collection, or maybe you just collect something small like guitar picks or Hummels or things like that. Everyone's definition of toys is different, and we try to embrace that in a more general sense on this podcast. And of course, talking about toys and stuff we grew up with and things we we, we fanboy or fangirl over or mark out over, if you're a wrestling fan, you know that term, um, it just helps break up the business conversation. And. Really allows us to connect with our guests on a more personal level, and i'm a big I'm a big fan of finding commonalities and things. It just makes conversations more real, and it just helps build connections with our guests and our listeners, of course. With that out of the way, let's get into some housekeeping before we turn things over to this week's guest. So I'd like to thank all of the people that have checked out, shared reached out and asked questions about our 2021 holiday gift guide crazy as it may sound i had to really trim that gift guide substantially as i built it out over the last couple of weeks in notion because by the time i hit record for that episode i think we were roughly 25 to 50 well no we we ended up being at about 48 different recommendations we had whether they were general Uh, recommendations for podcasters, recommendations for content creators, and more importantly, just generalized uh, recommendations. I felt that all of those categories just, just swelled up with so many different things. And I really wanted to strip things down and give people different samplings of different things, because I felt that if you wanted a big comprehensive gift guide, you can check it out on Rageworks or you can, you know, view it in from one of the thousands of other outlets that post massive gift guides. So, I felt that would be better and it would just be a, a smoother show by whittling it down to a small list. More importantly, cuz it kept the podcast to a little under an hour and of course I value every listener's time, so I wanted to jump right into it, give you folks some great recommendations that more importantly, aside from them aside from them being great, are things that really I are are in my stable day to day whether it's an Ember mug or the microphone or the mixer that we're using shout out to Tascam whose MixCast 4 is currently uh the backbone of of this week's episode the fact is that I wanted to give everybody uh just variety for this year because with everything going on in the world whether you're buying something for yourself or for a loved one you want to get them something that they'll enjoy more importantly they'll use Because more often than not, we buy people things based on, hey, I like it, so they'll like it too. And sometimes, I hate to say it, it just doesn't work. But I hope that all of you found something for your loved ones or for your friends or hell, for yourselves, that can really up the ante for your podcast, your content creation, or just your business overall. With that said, I am going to keep the housekeeping short and sweet this week because I really want to turn it over to this week's guest who is a certified badass and who shared so many amazing stories and so many amazing, amazing parts of his life with us that it would be a disservice for me to detract from his stories by, uh, blow, you know, boring you with a bunch of nonsense that you don't need to hear. So with that said, let's cut this short, turn it over to this week's guest so you can learn about the toys and tech of their trade. What's going on, folks? We got a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade on deck, and I am sitting down with veteran, firefighter, entrepreneur, and just a kick-ass human being, Zachary Green. We're going to discuss his new book, Warrior Entrepreneur Lessons from the Battlefield to the Boardroom, and of course, we're going to get into the toys and tech of his trade. Zach, how's it going, my friend?
1: I'm doing great, Rich. Thanks for having me on today. Really looking forward to talking to you.
0: I'm. Um, honored to to sit down with a with a veteran someone who served our country and who's still serving this country you 've done an amazing amount of things uh, in terms of doing research for our conversation from being in the city council to serving in the marine corps firefighter entrepreneur of the year you're you're a man of many talents and you 've pretty much taken all of those experiences and whittled them down into the warrior entrepreneur which isn 't just partially your story, but it's also an introduction of a mindset that shows that there's so many lessons from being in the armed forces, being a firefighter and being an entrepreneur that really carry over from one phase of life to the next. So I want to kind of start with your origin story first and um, how you decided to join the armed forces. So let's start. Let's start there.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I'll never forget the day we were in first or second grade and we were drawing with crayons and the teacher asked everyone to draw a scene that made them happy. And I drew a scene of guys getting blown up by machine guns and tanks running over people and heads <laughs> getting blown off from uh, artillery and I immediately earned a trip to the principal who then called my parents and said I had to go to a child psychologist. So I remember talking to the child psychologist and they're looking at this picture and they're like, why do you do this? I'm like, I want to be a Marine. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So from that point on, they always knew something wasn't right with me, as it is with all Marines. Something's not quite right (laughs) with us. But um, no one in my family had ever been in the military. And uh, my friends were out there kicking the soccer ball and riding bikes outside. And I'm running around the woods with mud on my face playing, uh, you know, G.I. Joe, so to speak. So it was kind of one of those things I was almost destined for. It was something I've wanted to do my entire life. and, And still to this day is the proudest accomplishment I've ever had.
0: Now, when, with, with that said, and, and coming to that realization at such a young age, were you, and this is something you talk about a lot in terms of adversity. Were you ever discouraged as you were growing up? Like, ah, do I, do I really want to do this? Is this something I really want to do? Where, what kind of, what solidified your resolve to say, you know what? I'm going to serve this country. I'm going to go out there, be on the front lines if I have to be. And joining the Marine Corps you know it's a it's a very grueling endeavor you know a lot of people and they've talked about this at length in, in various books papers you know a lot of people don't make it through the full camp to become a marine
1: well, you know, I struggled a lot growing up I had um, diagnosed at a very early age with ADHD and dyslexia, and it's funny because ADhD is considered a disability and it's a problem when you're younger, but when you Get out of school, it's called multitasking. And then all of a sudden, it's this great trait. Everyone's like, oh, he's a great multitasker. It's the same damn thing. And so, for me, going from seven different schools, from kindergarten all the way through high school, it was constantly challenged. Being told I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I was never going to amount to anything. That was difficult. But I always knew I was destined for greatness. I just didn't know what that looked like yet. And I'll never forget walking into the recruiting station of the Marine always knowing that I was going to go into the Marines. And and he basically looked at me when I walked in the room. He's like, why are you here? And I said, well, I went to the Army, and they told me about all the signing bonuses I would get. I went to the Air Force. They told me about how easy it was going to be and what a nice civilian-oriented life I'm going to live. I went to the Navy, and they told me about the adventures of selling the seven seas. And I said, what's the Marine Corps have to offer me? And I'll never forget. He kind of chuckled. He kicked his legs up on the desk, and he said, "Son." We've been the finest fighting force for 220 years. He goes, we'll continue to be that way with or without you. The question I've got is why would you want to join the Marine Corps and why should we even look at you? And I was like, (laughs) okay, that's a little interesting. He goes, matter of fact, I don't think you're even tough enough to make it through Paris Island. And before you know it, I signed all the paperwork and here I am down at Paris Island, South Carolina, one of the most miserable places to be in the summertime and Boy, oh, boy, they weren't kidding. It was absolutely, brutally difficult.
0: I I like the fact that you were, you were told you couldn't, and that made you say, I can. I think that that's a lot of, in, in terms of just an entrepreneur and what many people struggle with, it's exactly that, just hearing that you can't, and eventually you hear that lie enough that it becomes truth.
1: Well, the story of my book, it's the journey of the warrior. And you can be a warrior if you're a mom working two jobs, just trying to get your kids into a good private school. You can be a warrior if you're trying to work your way up the corporate ladder. Warrior is an entrepreneur. And then obviously the obvious warriors you know, are first responders in military. But the common theme there is challenge and adversity early on in your warrior journey. And what that does is that prepares you. As a society, we've spent so much time focused on being nice to people and lifting them up. And and yes, that's important. Mental health is absolutely important. But at what cost? And I almost call it the pussification of our youth now, where everyone has to have a safe space so they don't get challenged. Everyone has to have participation trophies so they feel included. And what we're doing is when we get out into the real world and they get challenged, They don't have that resistance and that training that's going to make them strong versus the warrior attitude is that kid that maybe had a lot of struggles growing up, was constantly being told he wasn't good enough, went to college, worked two jobs just so he could pay enough money to buy his books and stay in there. And then when he gets into the real world and gets challenged, he's going to be a warrior. He's going to say, okay, no big deal. And so, what we need to look at is a diversity in this training as a beautiful and wonderful. learning and growing experience and not avoid it. And that's what I really learned because it was so difficult those early years as an entrepreneur. And I had this wonderful opportunity. I got selected by President Obama to represent the United States, uh, one of 10 entrepreneurs at the Global Entrepreneur Conference. And up on the stage were some of the most famous entrepreneurs, Travis Klocknick from um, Uber, uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, all these other just legends. And the question came up and said, does it need to really be this difficult? And every one of those entrepreneurs on the stage said, yes, it does, because it's those early days of that difficulty will prepare you for those battles that lie ahead because it gets tougher and tougher. And just like when I was in recruit training at Paris Island, even though each week in the training cycle, it got more and more difficult, it felt easier and easier because you had all that resistance and that challenge to help prepare you for that next week. And even though it was harder, it felt easier because you were becoming better prepared for that.
0: Well, I'm a I'm a firm believer and we we discussed this in, in one of our initial calls. I'm a firm believer that iron sharpens iron. And I do agree that the only way that you're going to evolve, whether it's in any aspect of life, is you have to kind of take those hardships and don't look at them as hardship. Just just look at them as experiences that are laying the foundation for you to ascend to that next level, and as you as you describe your time in Paris Island, I feel that that's pretty much where you were, and that's how your mindset got you through. You figured this is just a building block to make me better, to make me a better warrior, make me a better soldier, and eventually just make me a better uh, person to my community. Am I am I am I correct in that assessment?
1: Without question. And that really is, is kind of what started the book. The book was started called The Warrior Entrepreneur was going to be about entrepreneurship. And I quickly realized it's not about entrepreneurship. It's about the warrior mindset and how if you can embrace the warrior culture and the warrior mindset, you can really accomplish anything. And my thesis was, as we train and get ready for that big battle ahead, that battle is called the crucible. And we all have a crucible in our life. Sometimes we have a couple of crucibles. It could be a divorce. It could be a death of a family member. It could be a bad job, toxic relationship, whatever. But when you get into that crucible, that's that moment in your life that everything you've done up to that point is not enough to get you to this next level. And then the bottom of the crucible is the abyss. And in the abyss as the philosopher Nietzsche once said, if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually the abyss will look back into you. And when the abyss looks back into you, that basically is symbolic saying that, You've spent too much time feeling bad for yourself, too much time in those bad relationships, too much time with that bad job, and it becomes really hard to get through that crucible. But when you do get through that crucible and you use all those warrior tactics to get through it, you have to transform and change. Because if not, you're going to go right back to where you were. And for me, I had two crucibles in my life. One was very real, and it was happened when I was 18 years old down at Paris Island, when I thought I was better than all the other recruits that were down there because, you know, I was a varsity force, varsity sports captain of my hockey team. I had very uh, nice parents that took care of me and did all these wonderful things. And when I got down there, I realized, A, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. B, everybody else was athletes and varsity athletes and, and studs. And I was not only not as good, I was probably in the lower half. And it all came to a head on the Petros parade deck where we do a lot of our drills. And the whole platoon turned left. I turned right. The drill instructor pulled me aside and said, Zach, recruit green. Your mom and daddy aren't here to help you. And you're not going to make it. And I fell down to my knees, started crying, dropped my rifle. And that was my crucible. That was my abyss. Now, I stayed in that abyss for about 30 seconds and recognized. And I honored it. And I knew it was there. And I said, I'm going to move forward. And from that point on, I transformed to become a United States Marine. And when you become a Marine, you transform into the Marine. It's the only branch of service where you actually transform. You become something different rather than just simply getting Navy training or Army training or something along those lines. And that put me on this this literally unbreakable spirit. And that continued on as I went through the fire service and, and my time in corporate America. And then I started my own business. And I will tell you, of all the challenges I had in the fire service, near-death experiences, and challenges in the Marine Corps, nothing was as difficult as I went through as an entrepreneur. And my next crucible happened. As the company started to build, I started this company out of the trunk of my car, made $5,000 within about six months, ended up um, going to this large trade show. Uh, Within three days, we did $100,000 in sales. Now, I had no money to buy the raw materials. I had no way to be able to produce it. I had no manufacturer lined up, no distribution lined up, no marketing uh, tools lined up, but I had $100,000 in orders. And as a Marine, we improvise, we overcome, we adapt. We figure out whatever we have to do to solve that problem. And I ended up refinancing my home, maxed out my credit cards, took every penny out of my 401k, barred against it to, to fill those orders. It was tough. That was that resistance that got me ready. Then I start to hire people, and because I didn't have a lot of money, I weren't, I wasn't able to hire really good quality people, and I'm having to do their work plus my work, and it all came to a head when I went on vacation, and I was talking to my CFO before I left, and I said, "Don't call me unless there's an emergency." Well, guess <laughs> what? He calls me, and he says, "Zach, I've got some bad news. We're we're out of money. We're not going to be able to make payroll, and um, I don't see us getting out of this hole. You have to prepare yourself for liquidation." Oh, man, and I thought I had a heart attack. I could feel my chest get tight. I could feel the, you know, the 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 shock wave running down my arms, all the classic heart attack signs. But my wife realized, hey, you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack. You need to be able to just get out and clear your mind. And that for me was my bottom. That was my crucible. And I had to transform and change. And what I did was I stepped down as CEO from the company that I started. I ended up getting rid of a lot of my key executives who were on the team. We made some drastic changes and we turned it into a $30 million company as a result of that. Wow. So, the concept of resistance, crucible, recognizing the abyss, and then transformation into something new and different that is the Warriors journey. And that is really what I'm on a mission to be able to talk about how anybody can apply that to their life.
0: So, I want to, I want to, backtrack a little bit and I want to talk about when you got out of the service and got into civilian life and started and started your own business. So in the midst of that and you know you can you can elaborate where where necessary there definitely are some things to unpack. So I want to talk about why what made you want to st- to start your own business versus just being an employee? What what pushed you in that direction?
1: So um, just like I wanted to be a Marine at a very early age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur at an early early age. And, you know, of course, I was enamored by the fancy sports car posters up on the wall and all that stuff. Had no idea the amount of work that took to go into that. But I think what it really comes down to is solving a problem. And for me, um, when I got out of the Marine Corps in 1999, two years later, September 11th happened. I had a lot of survivor's guilt, felt really bad that I wasn't out there taking the fight to the enemy. So I joined the local volunteer fire department as a way of kind of giving back. You know, the new front line of the battlefield is no longer a far off distant land. It's our own backyards now. And I got lost in the fire very early on. Um, It was horrifying, you know, completely dark. Can't see your hand in front of your face. I'm crawling down the hallway. I get to the end of the hallway, assuming there'd be a staircase or a door there. And there was nothing but three walls. I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not in a hallway. I'm in a walk-in closet and I'm stuck. Oh man. And I found my way out and I remember talking to my captain and telling him how upsetting it was and how challenging that experience was. And his comment to me was, he started laughing and almost making fun of me. He's like, look, you just gotta be used to that unknown. You have to be used to being disoriented. And that just didn't sit well with me. So that entrepreneurial mind of me kind of came out and said, I got to solve this problem. This is a big problem. And it's been going on for a long time. And we just kind of accept it as that's just the way it is. And I remember this glow in the dark material was on the back of our helmets, on our Kevlar helmets in the Marine Corps. I started thinking, wow, what if I could apply that to the tools of the fire department and the, and the um, helmet bands? And I found a way to make it glow brighter and longer than anybody else had done. And that's really how that that journey started. There is, is solving the problem of disorientation on the fireground.
0: Wow, that's a that that that's a you know um, Dave Chappelle did a skit and he on the Chappelle show and he said modern problems require modern solutions, and <laughs> that's a that's, that's a hell of a way to look at it, because you took that one you took that one item from your experience in the military and you're like, all right, how can I take this and bring it into this other space and make it work now once once you kind of had the baseline to go and launch that endeavor what challenges did you run into along the way
1: that's when the real work happens and um unfortunately our time together is not long enough for me (laughs) to tell you about all the challenges of course um there's Many different areas, but at the end of the day, all those challenges come down to one thing, and that is there is a solution to every one of those challenges that I had and that any entrepreneur has. The challenge is, do you really want to go through what you need to do to either mitigate or solve that problem? It could be personnel challenges. So one of the challenges with that challenge is you got to fire somebody. And usually those first people are your friends and family, and that makes it difficult. Yep. Uh, another challenge that comes out there is is the simple concept of what's called the cash conversion cycle. Don't ever mistake cat, um, a sale with cash. It's not the case. You have to take your dollars and put it into a raw material to have it manufactured, have it produced, have it packaged, have it distributed. Then you got to get paid. And some places do net thirty, net sixties, but uh, when they pay you. But the reality is they pay you net whenever the hell they feel like it. Yep, and if you're dealing with a large municipality like I was, and I am, sometimes they just don't pay on time, and there's not a darn thing you can do about it. You can't <laughs> send the New York Fire Department to uh, collections. You know they're going to pay you when they pay you. This so those true. are all those issues that you think about. So the cash conversion cycle is how long does it take to get your cash turned into profit? And to bridge that gap, which can be months, you need additional capital to help do that. That's very very challenging. So a lot of entrepreneurs, if you say, hey, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollar deal right now, they're going to be, you know, popping champagne, smoking cigars, and high fiving <laughs> each other. The reality is I can put you out of business with order that size. Yeah. Because if you got to tie up all your capital to fill that order, and I decide, A, I'm not going to pay you, or B, I'm going to pay you slow, you may not be able to recover from that. And that exact thing happened to me several times. Wow. Um, and then finally, the, the biggest challenge is, is the grit to just keep going and keep moving forward because it is so ungodly difficult. Being an entrepreneur, I'll be honest with you, is way more difficult than being, for me, as a Marine infantryman, as a, as a firefighter. Um, I've, I've had some of the highest highs, but my God, some of the darkest, lowest lows also.
0: Well, I think also, and, and you can, you can elaborate on this. When, when you're, a, when you're a soldier, you kind of have a more clear directive on who your enemy is. When you're a firefighter, your enemy is the fire and your goal is to save lives and, and get people out safe with business. You have to keep yourself happy, keep your employees happy, keep your customers happy. You have a lot of, I, I feel when it comes to being an entrepreneur and in business, you have a lot more enemies to fight that aren't necessarily, you know, enemies that are out to kill you but there's enemies from an emotional standpoint like you were saying there's self-doubt, imposter syndrome, like like people people putting in these orders, dealing with customers, finding ways to not turn your customer into your enemy and losing him as a potential customer for the future. So, with that said, when you're when you're approaching these challenges and finding ways to adapt to them What's one of the first things that you try to do to assess your your best course of action? Because I know, you know, there, there's strategy in being a soldier, there's strategy in being a firefighter. How do you how do you adapt that for business?
1: You know, it's a great question. The The biggest challenge is the challenge of the unknown, of not knowing what you're going to do. And, and how do you um, do that? Well, you know, in the military and the fire service, there's a manual for everything. We've trained it. There's studies that go back, you know, to von Clausewitz back in the, you know, early, you know, colonial days practically talking about war, the art of war from Shinzu I mean, we're talking thousands of years ago and that's still relative today.
0: 100%. We have
1: manual. We understand how the enemy works. We understand the physics of fire and those things. And then you also have a really good team that works together, you know, the, the uh, sum is way more than the individual addition of the parts. But then when you get to entrepreneurship, there is no manual. There is nothing to tell you how to do, it, and that's what makes it so difficult. So to answer your question, how do you handle it? And I think the biggest thing I learned in the Marines and even in the fire service is brilliance is not being able to understand really complicated things. Brilliance is to be able to have multiple bits of information, thousands of bits of information coming through it at one time. And being able to process that information, prioritize it, and start to execute it in an organized fashion. We all talk about you got to organize chaos. You can't organize chaos. If I'm pulling up to a fire scene and there's people lying half dead out in the yard and flames shooting out of the windows and people jumping out and neighbors panicking, a scenario I've seen many times, I can't organize that chaos. What I got to do is prioritize what's first, go after that one thing delegate my team of to go over the next most important thing and so on and so forth. So that ability to process vast amount of information quickly, prioritize them and start working down that um, triage list, that right there, I think, is one of the most important characters you need. And to not try to organize chaos, but to embrace chaos, because in the chaos itself, there is an organization. That organization is not as clean as you want it. The organization is all over the place but you can't change it. You've got to just embrace it for what it is and attack it for what it is.
0: I mean, couldn't have summed it up better, even if I tried. Um, Let's talk about your, your run for city council. Like that's a, that's a, that's a big thing to get into such a public forum, especially when you have to deal with so many different and, you know, I, I, I'm using the term again, unseen unseen enemies. What, what inspired you to want to do that? What what lit, what lit the fuse to get you to say, you know what, I'm going to run for a public office?
1: Well, there was is two things. Number one, I still wanted to continue my service to my community, my service to my country, um, but um, I didn't want to climb up a fire ladder anymore and swing a hose and get stuck in a burning building. So I decided that was the next thing. The challenge with um, politics is there's not a lot of honor. And I met some of the most dishonorable, most disgusting people I've ever worked with in my life during yep. the political process, the double speaking and the other ones. And that was the main reason I ran was we started to get a group of people in our community that just really were going at, I thought, going after it for the wrong reasons. They were going after their personal reasons. They were trying to push their own political narratives. And when I started to challenge them, they, they came after me. But you know what? I'm a Marine. I'm a fighter. Bring it on. Um, I was able to to handle it, but just the disgusting level of unethics and the way they were trying to manipulate the truth. And it's interesting because I've done a lot of work at the federal level versus every single U.S. senator and congressman and their staff I've met are absolute studs. doesn't matter on the left, on the right. I, I work with all of them. I'm an American. I'm not a Republican or Democrat or independent. At the federal level, they're some of the most brilliant organized well staffed organizations they truly care again across the board but when you start getting to the state level it starts getting a little hairy and then when you get down to the municipal level that i was on it starts to get really ugly because you don't have that level of professionalism there you get a lot of people that you know are just don't do anything with their life and decide all of a sudden one day they want to become a a politician so it was a great experience for me, and the fact that I got to stop some of that legislation that would have really hurt our police and our public safety and our community and our fiscal responsibility. But on the flip side, I thought everybody else had that same level of honor and integrity that I do, and, and I can tell you some of my colleagues on that council certainly did not.
0: It's a it's a scary it's a scary thing, especially when when hearing it from from you who was involved at, at this level because. You know, being, being a New Yorker, we're seeing a lot of that play out now. A lot of that legacy politics. Something you said that, that resonated just now is the fact that people just wake up one day and they want to get into politics and it it becomes the, the next thing you know, the, your local government becomes the friend of a friend of a friend society. (laughs) And, um, everybody comes in because it's an easy, it's an easy way to get your foot in the door and the level of corruption that's leveled at that at that level is just insane. But the thing about it is what, what lessons did you take away from that, that you were able to apply to your business and just evolving how you approached being an entrepreneur?
1: So, you know, when you're the CEO of a company, you can force people to do stuff. You can say, look, this is the directive. You will do this. When you're in the military, you can give an order, same thing on the fire ground. You can't do that in politics. You've got to be able to coerce people. You've got to be able to find a way. Sometimes that includes bargaining. You know, you have to have your own level of integrity of how far you're willing to bargain that, you know, that I've got certain things that are off limits for me that I'll never negotiate on. And then I've got things that are, you know, yeah, I'll give this up if you help me out with this bit of legislation or you help me out. So I think the whole coercion, not from the negative part of coercion, but the you know, coercion. Um, you know, the give and take that's necessary to put out there. Also, when you're elected, you represent everybody, not just the people that voted for you. So there were people that I know that were very strongly against me politically, couldn't be more different. But I had a fiduciary duty to to honor them and to bring them into um, the understanding of who we were serving. And, and there was a lot of times I did things for them that I didn't necessarily want to do but I knew it was the best thing for the community and the best thing for the city.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of give and take and I also feel that in doing that it also sharpened it also sharpened your your razor as a negotiator because obviously once once you can negotiate on the political level everything gets a little easier, right?
1: Well, I'm a big fan of negotiating from a position of power. That everything in that dynamic when it's binary you and somebody else what time do you show up? Are you wearing a jacket? Are you wearing a suit? Um, How you hold yourself when you're sitting in your chair? Those are all fine, finer points of the negotiation cycle, what you're trying to accomplish, what you have to give up. And it's all about trying to get that power to be able to then push things and then make, uh, get to that win-win. But in politics it's a little more difficult in doing that. And, the level of compromise is concerning because I, I don't like to compromise because when you compromise, that means you have to give up something and I have to give up something. We both have lost something in a compromising process. I really try to get to that win-win where you gain everything and I gain everything. And in business, I think that's a lot more easy to do than in, in politics sometimes.
0: So you were you were named Entrepreneur of the Year. I want to talk about that honor because obviously it's, it's, it's a, it's a validation of all the work that you put in. And I want to talk about when you received that notification that you were going to be named entrepreneur of the year. Talk talk me through that, how that, how you felt when you saw that and what went through your mind when you were informed that you were getting that honor.
1: So there's, there's a video out there of me actually receiving the award in my speech. If you just Google Zachary Green entrepreneur of the year or Ohio, Chamber of Commerce, Zachary Green, Entrepreneur of the Year. Um, I was overcome with emotions. As soon as they announced, they had the five finalists up on stage. The governor got up there, announced me as the winner. And I remember immediately turning my back to the audience because I was crying uncontrollably. I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't get my composure. When I did finally get my composure, This level of numbness just fell over me because I finally had validation, like you just said, that I'm not a loser. I'm not stupid. I'm not all those things that my teachers and my friends said that I was growing up, bouncing from school to school. It was validation that my ADHD actually was a superpower and it wasn't a disability. It was a multitasking superpower. And I talked about that in my speech of how I was able to use that to handle multiple things at one time and, and, and deal with lots of information, being able to process it. So for me, it was just saying, wow, you know, you've been recognized not only by your peers, but also by the politicians and the leaders within the chamber of commerce for the entire state that, that you had the best idea for the year. And we were able to really play off of that with other things and helping to raise additional funding through you know our venture capital firm. But, but for me, it was, it was pretty incredible. Um, outside the Marine Corps, is probably one of the proudest moments of my life. And then about a year after that, I was asked to testify in front of the U.S. House of Representatives. And I remember walking through the halls of Congress, sitting down there at the table that we've all seen a million times on TV with a little placard with my name on it. And just thinking about all those people that, you know, told me that as a C student, I couldn't do anything or this would happen. And here, the U.S. Con- the US Congress is calling me as a expert in the business world to um, give them input on some legislation that was coming up. It was incredible.
0: It's, it's amazing how that works. And, and the thing about it is that you, you continue to work and embody that, that warrior spirit and you, and you're trying to just instill it in so many people. I know that you, you were involved in, in the heroes program and you're providing mentorship and training and, you're trying to help others and paying it forward and helping them on their small business journeys. Tell me a little bit about that and some of the some of the things you've run into in doing some of this, this volunteer work.
1: Yeah, so we moved from Cincinnati where we've lived my entire life. My wife's a third generation from the neighborhood we grew up in. Never thought we'd move. And with the pandemic and moving our office from a physical office space to virtual, we realized we could be anywhere. So We've been traveling to Hilton Head for, gosh, 30 plus years and decided to just make it a permanent home. And we loved it. But, you know, as I got down here, I wanted to help out. There's a lot of military, active duty and veterans in this area. But you also have a lot of people that have retired that have a tremendous amount of experience. And so through the Don Ryan Center for Innovation in the town of Bluffton, which is kind of the general area that Hilton Head and Bluffton, Beaufort reside, we call it the low country area. Um, they have a program, and I'm the uh, director of what's called the Heroes Program, where we work with active duty, transitioning military, retired military, and first responders that are interested in, in starting a job, uh, starting their own business, or taking their business and growing it. And what I like to do is work on those intangible tasks: the teamwork, the grit, the integrity, the um, you know flexibility, the you know all those traits that we had. In the military and apply them how we can apply them to uh, the real world and to growing our business. And it just fit in so nicely with the book. And you know, my ultimate goal now is to start a warrior movement. I'm looking for other people that want to learn about the warrior's way. I'm developing some one-on-one coaching sessions. You can go onto my website of warriorentrepreneurbook.com and fill out um, the contact me information screen if you'd like to learn more about that. But it's going to be a 90-day course where every week you're going to get one-on-one time with me. We're going to develop your warrior pathway, your warrior plan. And um, every week there's going to be tasks and assignments. And we're going to break down each chapter of what makes a warrior and have different things that we can do to train on that each week. And then the next week it'll build off of it and build off of it. And at the end, you'll get your warrior certificate showing that you've been able to make it through this be prepared to handle your crucible and be able to prevail through anything life hands you no matter if you're an entrepreneur if you're working up in corporate america or again you could be a stay-at-home mom all these life skills that we're going to bring together are going to be applicable to any area and any station in your life
0: i think you know seeing you seeing you give back and be so involved in in keeping uh people in the armed forces just Going beyond the norm, because, you know, a lot of a lot of people, you leave the armed forces. It's like, all right, well, what am I going to do? Private, private, private work or, you know, joining the police, et cetera. But you you continue to drive home um, soldiers and, and members of our armed forces coming back and starting their own businesses. Is that partially because, you know, that the biggest freedom comes from being your own boss?
1: You know, it's the biggest freedom, but it also is the biggest restriction. I um when you're your own boss, you're actually not your own boss. You end up having more bosses than you ever had before because I'm a firm believer in the inverted pyramid style of leadership. And that is a leader works for the people that they're subordinates. Yep. Your job as a leader is to eliminate roadblocks and give all the people that work with you the tools for success. And as a result of that, you're responsible for all of them. So When you rise to the number one position, you're actually not the number one. You're at the bottom of the position and you've got to be responsible for everything else. As the leader, you get blamed if anything goes wrong. But if it goes right, your subordinates, the ones that get the credit for it. So that's kind of the interesting point in that. I think at the end of the day, the common thread you find from police, fire, the military is this level of service and honoring our country is the best place to live, work and to, to be in. You know, this is one of the few places on planet Earth that you can literally come up with an idea one day, and two days later have a booming business around it. Other countries, you are limited by your color or by your race or your sexual orientation or the caste system that you've got in some areas where it doesn't matter how smart or good you are because you're at a certain caste level, you'll never be able to be a business owner to do that. So, as a military um, veteran, you know, I fought for the right for us to have that freedom of opportunity. And as a first responder, I continue to do that. And now what I feel is what I can offer most is, is that warrior spirit, that unbreakable spirit to be able to achieve whatever that success looks like for you individually.
0: You've, you've done so many amazing things. You've grown so much over the course of, of, of your military and civilian career. Who, who's your biggest cheerleader? Who's the, who's the person that fires you up to keep going?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I would have to say my mom always because she and my dad too, for that matter. I mean, they, they really struggled growing up. I was not an easy child. Um, I think it's payback because my 17 year old son has given me the same fits that I am sure I gave my parents. But they really set me on a trajectory of success. They they pulled me out from school to school to put me in different schools, Montessori schools, private schools, public schools, Catholic schools, whatever had to be done for that. And then when I got out into the real world, they were constantly giving me that encouragement and that push and what I needed to get to that next level. So that that's really, for me, what inspires me. The other one that inspires me are those 17 and 18-year-old kids that every year, decide to raise their hand and, and, and sign up for something bigger than themselves in the military. And I'll never forget um, it was early on in the Afghan conflict. And there was one of the news uh, national news reporters was riding back on one of the hospital ship planes going from Afghanistan to the uh, Germany. And he was looking at the 17 year old who was all battered and bruised. And he's like, why do you do this? You know, your friends are out home having fun, chasing girls, drinking beer, doing this stuff. And he looked at him and he said, because we want you to be able to sleep better at night. And that just hit me at such a deep, visceral level to realize we still have young people out there that are willing to make such incredible sacrifices so we can all live better here and uh, go to sleep at night and know that we've got very rough men and women willing to keep watch uh, uh, over us to make sure those bad people don't get to us.
0: Now. Obviously you, you being a a parent, do you, a lot of these lessons, I know you're, you're obviously you're trying to instill them in, in your son, etc. has, has your son mentioned to you like wanting to go into the service or wanting to be an entrepreneur, or is he kind of just living, living the 17 year old life? Have you run into that or are you in the midst of figuring that out with him? You
1: know, I, I, we haven't really talked a lot about the military. He loves the military, honors and He does a lot of stuff with me on that. I don't think he's really cut out for that military lifestyle. Um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, yeah, I do sim, uh, see a, a test of that. But he's also got a chance to see the ugly, and I don't necessarily want him to have to go through what I went through and the challenges that I went through to, to get there. Um, there, you know, there's a saying that you know being an entrepreneur is kind of like making sausage. Yep. Everyone on the outside says, oh, the sausage tastes so good. It looks so nice. But if they go inside the sausage factory and see how they make the sausage, they would never want to do it. And, and you know, my son had to make a lot of sacrifices for me with my travel schedule, my stress level. He saw me when I broke down and thought I was having a heart attack. I'm sure that's something that, you know, will stay with him for his entire life. So I, I, I hope that um, I can inspire him to to be one thing and one thing only. And that's just happy, whatever it turns out to be. Hopefully he gets out of the house and doesn't sit at home playing video games when he's 40 years old, but, you know,
0: find <laughs> something good for him. Well, well, you know what the funny thing is something, something you said earlier about there's, there's, you know, there's a career path and everything. The it's, it's funny that you say that because there's such a crazy, crazy career path in that industry, in the gaming industry that it's, it's almost, it's almost impossible to break that stigma because that's what so many, it, it, I mean, I, I I'm, I'm a gamer. I grew up as one and I see that still, but I also see that there's so many opportunities in that space that just to your point, nobody's, nobody's working to solve those problems yet. It's a, uh, it's, it it's
1: my mind. Yeah. The technology that we have now he gets people to pay him money on his Roblox account or Twitch yep. account or whatever the hell that is. I don't yep. know. Just to watch them how to get past this one level.
0: Absolutely. So he's
1: like, Dad, I just got 20 bucks. I'm like, what? Yep. Are you kidding me? Just to <laughs> watch you. And then they get friends over and the friends don't even want to play video games. They just want to watch you play your video games. Uh-huh. I- I'm, I- I'm blown away. But yeah, it's a new economy. It's a new world that we're living in when we've got these influencers and social media people that are making more money than our top scientists and doctors and lawyers are. It's a great time to be a, an entrepreneur, and a great time to be alive right now with all the technology we have.
0: And with that, I, you know, I wanna, I wanna take a moment and, you know, thank you for your service because, again, you were out there with, you know, hundreds and thousands of men and women making sure that we had those freedoms to be able to do all this awesome and cool stuff. So, uh, you know, you have, you have my deepest thanks.
1: Well, thank you, and we appreciate your support. I really do.
0: So I want to transition into what I, what I like to call, uh, the hot seat. It's just a series of rapid fire questions, uh, different things just, uh, off the cuff. And, um, it's a good way to just connect on a few different things that we've discussed throughout our, our, our last, uh, 40 some odd minutes. Um, so yeah. So first one, uh, what's your, what's your typical day look like?
1: Um, I try to exercise every morning. doesn't always happen. I usually then get up, uh, go into the office, try to check through emails. Um, I like to try to learn something new every day. Um, If it means blocking out some time and listening to a podcast or reading a story, Um, I do have the luxury of living on a beach, so I try to spend at least a couple times a week getting out and just being with the ocean and being present. And then uh, usually my evenings uh, wrap up with me trying to just deprogram. I'm a big fan of watching binge watching Netflix shows, having a nice uh, bourbon cocktail and just kind of wrapping the night up that way.
0: Nice. Who who has been who is your hero growing up and who is your hero now as an adult?
1: That's a great question. I, I, I would say that my hero growing up probably had to have been uh, you know some of those famous Marine generals like Chesty Puller and uh, Smetley Butler and and those guys. They were just such bigger than life, incredible people, and I've just always looked up and respected their grit in those other areas. I think right now my hero, I probably have to say someone like a Simon Sinek or a Malcolm Gladwell or some of these people out there that are just really providing this incredible content about how to live a better life. you know, all the great TED Talks that are out there, Malcolm Gladwell's about the power of happiness, his amazing TED Talk on David versus Goliath and how, as small businesses, we have more strength than the big businesses do, like Goliath, because of our agility and ability to move around. And then Simon Sinek really is, I think, the top of the top of the top, his conversation around what, how, and why, and how we need to be a why-driven society and why-driven people is just something I'd love to have. A cup of coffee with him sometime.
0: Nice. What? Yeah, what are uh, three mobile apps you can't live without?
1: <laughs> so definitely Facebook, without any question. Um, I don't know why I'm so addicted to that. I guess we all are. I use Facebook as my diary. I put everything on Facebook. Uh, so that that's one. LinkedIn, definitely a close second because um, you know it's the same type of thing, but more business oriented. And um, for some reason, I'm like a weather junkie. I've got a couple different weather apps on there and just always am fascinated about weather patterns and how weather works and those type of things.
0: There you go. Um, what's your favorite piece of tech besides your phone and your computer?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, favorite piece of tech besides my phone and my computer? Um, I, I've got a weather station back to the whole weather thing. It tells really? you like, the barometer, and the temperature and stuff. And I always geek out on that, looking at that uh, piece of technology.
0: What's something that makes you feel like a kid again?
1: Um, I love watching movies and, and, you know, binge watching TV. That's, that's always been a, a fun thing. Uh, the other thing is I'm really into cars and, um, I've, I've got some fun cars. And when I get a chance to get in there, I just hear the, the power of that engine and get the looks of people when I'm driving by them that that gives me that childhood energy and excitement
0: what's something that what is something that your opinion has changed on in the last twelve months
1: um one definitely is uh, my opinion of females in the military you know I was strongly against it when I was 18, 19 years old and the more Women that I've worked with in the Marine Corps and the military, I realize they're just as strong, in some cases, stronger than us um, and fully support their full integration um, in the military. I would have strongly, strongly been against that 20 years ago. But I think as society, we've really evolved and changed to that.
0: Respect. That's that's awesome to hear. Um, What's something that you've purchased that's less than one hundred dollars that's made your life easier or more enjoyable?
1: Um, it would probably, I have this thing called a sky chair. I don't know if you've seen it before. It's like a hammock chair. And I basically replaced my couch upstairs with my sky chair. And that's what I sit in every night when I'm having my bourbon and watching TV and you kind of just swing back and forth and I catch <laughs> your feet up. And nice. man, it, I, I just, I look forward to it every day, getting a chance to sit in there. Cause I know my, my day's pretty much over and I can just kind of rock myself back and forth as I'm watching, you know, mindless TV.
0: <laughs> speaking of mindless tv what's the last show you binge watched
1: so you know i've i've re-watched over and over um sopranos breaking bad game of thrones i've watched both of those multiple times but i'll tell you the one right now that has just blown my socks off is yellowstone with kevin costner yep. in it that is just fantastic
0: Nice. Those are those, You named the murderer's row of great shows there. <laughs> there What's a non-negotiable for you when it comes to business?
1: Um, I would say disrespect when someone's disrespectful to someone else, just not being cool. I mean, obviously the easy thing goes with integrity and all that other stuff, but you know, people that are rude, I just, I can't work with them. And if they treat their employees rudely, or they treat me rudely, that that's a, that's a non-starter for me.
0: Nice. Um, You know, the pandemic has been an incredible time for entrepreneurship, I feel, because it's created so many great business people and creators. Do you feel the pandemic for as terrible as it has been to some extent has made you more or less productive?
1: Oh, tremendously more productive for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm coming up on my one-year death anniversary. I almost died of COVID. I spent two weeks in the ICU. I had an external uh, ventilator for probably 10 days. Um, I stopped breathing multiple times, had a true near-death experience where I felt myself going down that black tunnel and sitting outside of my body. So the first one on that is it's given me a new zest for life and realizing how fragile both life is and the act of breathing. Is. You breathe every couple of seconds and you don't even think about it. But when it's such a struggle to breathe and when you do breathe and you can't get that oxygen into your lungs, it's a not just horrifying. It's very painful. So that's the first one. The second, um, there's three things that have really come out of that. The second one is. We were able to pivot our company. You know, we were doing exceptionally uh, good business uh, making exit signs. We don't need batteries, light bulbs, or electricity using our glow in the dark material. Uh, We built them on a plexiglass base and we were then approached by one of our largest distributors, Home Depot, if we could start making those bases larger and create COVID protective barriers, the clear plexiglass ones you see all over. Right. And we end up, um, end up becoming Home Depot's number one distributor of those products last year. So that we could have never done that without the pandemic. And then finally, the third one is, is what I've experienced right now. I get to go out to the beach every day because we were able to move from Cincinnati down here because of the power of Zoom and remote meetings. Uh, in the past, when I would do a business in Seattle or New York or whatever, it would take me days between getting out there, coming back, you know, trying to get over the the jet lag, especially on those big long West Coast trips or international trips that I took so much. And then it costs thousands of dollars. Now I can do four or five meetings in one day with my Zoom. I don't even need to put pants on most of the time, as long as the camera is up above my chest, <laughs> and it costs me nothing. So those have all been things that um, have really been great gifts that we wouldn't expect to get since we're in this new COVID posture that we're in now.
0: There you go. You know, we've talked, uh, we've talked about tech. We've talked about business. Obviously we, we got to talk about toys a little bit. What was uh, your favorite toy from your childhood?
1: <sighs> probably, um, you know, I, I was a big hockey fanatic. So, you know, um, I would say probably hockey cards was my favorite toy collecting hockey cards. And All right putting around and, and doing different things with them. That was always a, a big a joy of mine.
0: Obviously as a, as a car enthusiast, your cars are your toys too. What's one car you would love to own?
1: You know, the car that's always been on my Holy grail is the Lamborghini Countach. It's it's not a practical car. I've, I've not driven one. I've been in one and I don't fit really well into it. It's meant for little Italian jockeys and my feet are so wide that it hit both of them. But I don't think there's any car out there that looks more incredible and unique than the Countach. It, it really is an amazing piece of machinery.
0: Awesome. Last question. I call you or message you via LinkedIn. I ask you, Zach, where's your business at? Where do you see your business one year from now?
1: now I'd love to have uh, started the warrior movement. And had people that have gone through my warrior training program, and people that I have been inspired to help other develop other warriors, and so um, me to develop my new company, Warrior Enterprises LLC. um, That's really where my hope uh, is—you know, a year from now—that we've really got that off the ground and running.
0: Awesome. All right. um, Last segment of of our conversation, we like to call Reach One, Teach One. Usually, one last piece of actionable advice we put out to our audience. And we frame it differently for every guest. Um, In your case, especially with, with your amazing career, you're selected to speak to a group of high school seniors and you're asked about entrepreneurship and the future. What's one piece of advice you'd give high school seniors that want to either embark on a career in the military or embark on a career in entrepreneurship? So
1: anyone that wants to embark on a career in the military, we have five technically six branches between Space Force, Coast Guard, and then the four traditional uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps. Each one of them is going to be designed for a different skill set, a different personality, a different physical type. Spend the time to research them and then spend the time to talk with those each of those individual recruiters before you make their mind because somebody that's a Marine is going to work very differently, that's got that Marine mindset than in the Air Force. Uh, Somebody that you know, really wants to get into the high tech and those stuff, the Space Force might be perfect for them where the Army may not be for them. So that's the first one. When it comes to entrepreneurship, my number one advice I get to everybody, and I've been guest lecturers at dozens of entrepreneurial classes and universities across the country and even across the world, uh, wait, don't feel like you have to do it immediately. We all see this instant gratification of Flying in the corporate jet, having that exotic sports car when you're 25 years old, that, that's fantasy. That doesn't happen. The days of the Twitters and the Instagrams where they're you know losing hundreds of millions of dollars and getting valuations of billions of dollars, that's gone. That's just not going to happen anymore. Um, we've all learned from that. So I would say wait till you're at least 30 years old. And this is the reason why. Get out there and live life. Get some experiences that are out there. It always amuses me when you see these 22-year-olds on LinkedIn offering life coaching services. I'm like, how the hell can you give me life coaching when you're 22 years old and you just got out of your parents' house? Um, When you work for a job, absorb every possible training opportunity that they provide for you. I learned Six Sigma. I learned Maxwell Leadership Principles, Harris Negotiating, all these different types of things that I was able to soak up and then use. When I started my own business, had I paid for those things out of my own pocket, it could have been tens of thousands of dollars or I could never have even gotten the opportunity. So get out there, get some experience under your belt, learn as much as you can, take every extra opportunity that you can for development. And then when you're ready to um, start that business, you're going to be a lot more prepared.
0: Outstanding. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade.
1: Thank you so much, Rich. Have a great day.
0: Man, what an awesome conversation with Zach. I think that anyone who listens to this conversation will definitely take something from it, whether it's on a personal level or a professional level. As always, if you want to find out more information about Zach, links will be in the show notes for this episode. You can also pick up The Warrior Entrepreneur, Lessons from the Battlefield to the Boardroom on Amazon, via Kindle, audiobook, and, of course, in hardcover. Links for that will be in the show notes for this episode, along with everything else that Zach and I talked about. As always, some of these items may contain affiliate links, which, if you click, will receive a small commission, which goes towards improving this podcast and anything else that Rageworks is working on. So every little bit helps. So if you want to use those links to make your purchases, we would really, really appreciate it. Last but not least, if you want to connect with Rageworks on social media, you can find us on any social media platform of your choice. Most of them are run by a member of the Rageworks team, but if it's something coming directly from me, it will be signed, usually with an R or with my name, depending on which social media platform you are reaching out to me on. But best way to get in contact with me directly, email rich at Rageworks.net. Questions, concerns, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, that's one of the best ways to do it. Other than that, of course, make sure to subscribe to our Rageworks newsletter. Stay up to date with all things Rageworks, whether it's podcasts on the podcast network, contests, or everything else. Newsletter subscribers get advanced information before it is released to the general public. We're going to be releasing our 12 Days of Christmas giveaways, and those that are subscribed to the newsletter will have advanced notice on what stuff we will be giving away and subscribers will have their entries count for more than one. If they are a subscriber, just a little, a little tease there with regards to that. Aside from that, with the holidays slowly upon us and us reaching the end of 2021, I just want to take a moment, a genuine moment and thank all of you, all of you for your continued support through This crazy, crazy 2021 coupled with, of course, a very, very crazy 2020. Onwards to 2022, we got some amazing guests and so much more on deck for Toys and Tech of the Trade. And of course, for the Rageworks Podcast Network, make sure to check out all the shows that we have there. Great shows like Trek Untold, Turnbuckle Tabloid and many others, all of them available at the push of a button via the RageWorks Podcast Network, and of course, visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com. I think that's enough uh, calls to action to close things out. Once again, thank you for checking out this week's episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace! Noise and Tech of the Trade is part of the Rageworks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageworksNetwork.com.